And the church really errs if it only says no and then doesn't extend a hand of community. Hello, this is Pastor John. This is Pastor Tim. And this is the Every Moment His podcast. We are on episode two of a series on biblical sexuality and gender. And today we're beginning the topic of homosexuality, uh, same-sex attraction, uh, that experience that people have. And uh, really uh, what we want to do today is introduce the topic. Uh, We eventually want to open up our Bibles and get into what the Bible says, starting with Jesus and going all the way back to other passages. But before we do that in the next episode, on this episode in particular, we want to open up the topic by uh, hearing the stories of people who experience same-sex attraction, who are Christian, uh, and yet have uh, not chosen to live actively in that identity or lifestyle, mm-hmm. and have actually chosen a different path, a path we often don't hear about. And even, I would say that sometimes these uh, stories are maybe even, um, they're not popular or they are sometimes even silenced to some degree. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And and so we want to just reference these people, uh, these precious people of God who are authors who have have shared these things. Uh, But also we know people in these situations and um, and they may even be sitting next to you in church. And so. Right. um, So that's what we're doing. Good. So before we do that, here's the joke of the day. Tell me. You ready? A little levity for the day. So uh, what did the novelist say? when he saw his neighbor sneaking uh, lots of new dirt into his garden. I actually know this one. Do you? <laughs> the plot thickened. Oh, man. Yes. That's, uh, Good job. That's top shelf. I, you know, I, I, I really appreciate that. The that's plot like thickens because it's a garden plot. You know, yeah. It just works well. Yeah. The a lot novelist, of different levels. Mysterious. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Hey, by the way, what mug are you drinking out of right now? So right now I have the Arizona Starbucks oh. mug, Valley of the Sun. I saw it was red, but then it yeah. had like a cactus on it. And I said, that's not Nebraska. I have the red Nebraska mug that has like steaks and cows and corn. Corn. Yeah. But okay. So this one I, I bought for um, my wife because she uh, is from Phoenix. She grew up. Hey, my wife is too. Yeah, right. They kind of knew each world. other there. They did. But uh, I bought it for her when I was <coughs> visiting Phoenix without her um, hmm. for a conference. And, and then I just continually steal it from her. <laughs> That's kind of a best practice. Uh, it know, is. To yeah, buy it is a best practice. A cup for your wife when you go out of town. Yeah. So, but I always have to be very careful when I do that. Yeah. Because I don't want to break it or lose it. So. Yep. Okay. Okay. So, um, you know, often in the church, we don't have really good, safe conversations about mm. homosexuality in kind of two ways. And, and I'm talking about the church in general, like everybody who claims to be Christian. Um, you know, you have those who maybe don't really feel like they can talk to anyone in like a safe space where they're not going to be judged, where they're going to be heard and loved and accepted. And so because they don't have any place to really talk about it, that in the church, they may have nowhere to go except those who affirm a lifestyle and an orientation. And, um, and then by the time they come out, there's really no 
room for any other alternative. Uh, yeah. I mean, the church has kind of been, you know, I'm not really going to talk to the church. I'm just going to find people who accept me yeah. and affirm this lifestyle and even encourage, you know, maybe coming out or adopting a gay, lesbian, uh, bisexual lifestyle. Yeah, so I think um, I think we see that especially in kind of legalist-leaning churches. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's almost a caricature of Christianity as well. Yeah. It's a popular idea that Christians, they're just going to be condemning. Yeah, exactly. You know? So, for example, in the music video, Taylor Swift's music video for mm-hmm. her song, You Need to Calm Down. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, right, Taylor right. Swift uh, portrays Christians as like, kind of like, you know, backwoods kind of people. And yeah. it's really unfortunate because, uh, you know, like when we're talking about a Christian stance on sexuality, we're talking about a long tradition of intellectual thought, moral thought going back thousands of years and is shared by, you know, a good majority of history and people, cultures. Yeah, Christian and so or not, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and so, yeah, that's unfortunate. But... um then on the other hand, you have churches that will be, you know, open and affirming of gay, lesbian lifestyle. Yeah, and, and, so and they then are they're really not having a conversation that there is an alternative. Yeah, so they will kind of dismiss what the scriptures say. Yeah, or try to kind of finagle it, and yeah. we'll talk about that in our next episode. But um, and so yeah, there's either either way. There's there's kind of a, um, a this or that. There's not a good middle road. Yeah. And, and I think that's something we, we really want to try to do is create a safe space for people to come into the church, hear what the author of life says, mm-hmm. grapple with it, grapple with their own desires, their own identity, and feel like it's not going to be a, a threatening experience. There's not yeah. going to be a threat. Because you're going to find some camaraderie here because we all have this lived experience of even dysphoria when it comes mm. to not just our own sexuality or gender, which that'll be another episode, but uh, we have dysphoria when it comes to this experience of being human and and being created for certain ends to love God and love neighbor, and we don't always experience those things yeah. fully. And so, so really, I think if anybody understands the struggle, it should be the church. And if anybody has a place where guilt can be relieved, it's the church. If any place has balm for healing, that is both truth and love, it's the church. And so really the, the church needs to continue to, to really <clears throat> strive to be this place where we are a hospital for sinners and we're all in this struggle together. And you hear people saying like, oh, I'd never go talk to a pastor because the pastor mm-hmm. might judge me. Mm-hmm. Well, like... Maybe that has to do with a bad experience somebody's had or a caricature of the church. But um, I think of Jesus and his example of just loving people really way, well in a way that is both truth and love. And so, um, yeah. And, yeah. you know, yeah, the desperate people came to Jesus and mm-hmm. he was an intermediary. He was a priest to them. Yeah. In that he opened up the way to God and mercy. And yeah. that's, you know, the church needs to be known for that. Yeah. Um, so we're going to highlight some some real people because I think um, I think it's useful to say this is not just an intellectual practice, an intellectual mm-hmm. issue, uh, but there's real people here. We need to care for the individuals who right. might have this kind of experience, and in particular for you and I both, we have people we know and love uh, who are are gay. They would say I'm gay, and and 
I know uh, people in my own family who say mm -hmm. uh, I'm gay. One says I'm not a Christian. One says I am a Christian, actually. Yeah. And I have people in my family, um, both gay and lesbian people, mm -hmm. uh, some younger, some older, yeah. and, and some in committed relationships and some not. And, and, and yet I've been able to have, you know, proximity is an issue, you know, with relationships. But, yeah. you know, in the past, been able to have good constructive conversations and, and they know where I stand on the issue yeah. scripturally, but we're able to have a couple of drinks and talk together and just, yeah. you know, um, but you know, we're aware of people in our own lives who, who experience same sex attraction and it's not something they can just pray enough and it will go away. Right. Necessarily. And, but they are, they're choosing a different path that we often don't hear about. We think there's, really only one option if you experience same-sex attraction. And so we're going to share some of those stories today. And really, you can read these stories because these are authors. Public, yeah. And then they've also put out a number of videos and talks yeah. um, so where they share their stories. In particular, we're going to highlight yeah, stories of people who have same-sex attraction and have decided with the help of the church and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to say, no, I'm going to live in a way that is congruent with my faith, and my first love is Jesus and not my sexuality. Mm -hmm. So before we dive into these stories, um, I wanted to mention um, I've been privileged in my life to know three. Um, me personally, actually, there's, there's more, but three personally who um, people I've ministered to, uh, one female uh, who's, who was in a... Um, a gay relationship in uh, her high school years and now uh, is no longer and now is married with a child. Uh, and then also two others, uh, men who have said, I have these desires um, and I know what the gospel says and I want to stay, um, I want to wrestle through it, I want to deal with it. And so I also, I think this is something to say too. It, it's it's a great honor to know these people. Yeah, mm -hmm. like they're some of my heroes in a sense because yeah. that's a struggle. And they're some of the most lonely people uh, in that they, many times they say, "I don't I don't know where to go with this struggle to find support." But oftentimes, I've found that these people not only do I honor them for their courage, but I also respect the way that they're sort of calling the church to repentance mm. in our understanding of the church as a community, not just of married people. Yeah. Really them holding forward, you know, singleness as a gift and, and them saying, you know what, the church needs to understand community better where we're not lonely because people who are single and celibate, whether experiencing same-sex attraction or not, uh, they need the church to be their people like, yeah. Uh, and so, you know, these stories that we're going to reference, we really hope that you'll pick up the book, you know, read it, listen to it on Audible, maybe engage these people through, say, Vimeo or YouTube yep, um, yep. And, and watch their, hear their testimony, really. And I will say that their experiences are not uniform. You're going to have some people who experience same-sex attraction in a very intense way still, and maybe that's led to to a celibate lifestyle. Um, you have those who have never entered into the lifestyle formally. They've never experienced, you know, um, same-sex relationships. 
Uh, but then you have those who have been in that lifestyle for quite a while and have really lived in that lifestyle, had even partnerships, and then they've come out of that. And then you have others who, who have actually uh, been in same-sex relationships and now they're in uh, opposite-sex heterosexual marriage right. and have children. So there's a, a diversity of experience here in these stories. It's not like a one-size-fits-all, but yeah. we just think it's important to talk about them. So okay. the first I'm going to reference is Sam Elberry, and I listened to his book a while back, uh, Is God Anti-Gay? and Other Questions About Homosexuality, the Bible, and Same-Sex Attraction. It's a short little book. You can listen to it in about an hour and a half. Uh, you can read it in about an hour and a half. It's, mm -hmm. it's a short little book. It covers the basics. And next to loving his British accent, I love to read books or listen to books where the, the, the author reads it. Yeah, right. I just right. listened to a 13-hour book by <laughs> Carl Truman, and Carl mm -hmm. Truman is, has that nice British accent, as read by the author. I can't <laughs> even do nice. the accent. Very nice, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so anyways, uh, Sam Elberry is a pastor in the Anglican Church in England. He himself has experienced same-sex attraction, and he now lives a uh, single celibate lifestyle as a pastor. Yeah. And he's been very vocal in sharing both his own experience but also really bearing witness to what scripture says. And, and I just respect him for his credibility there because he's not speaking off the cuff. He's not speaking from a disinterested yeah. angle. Yeah. He, he's really saying, I've experienced these attractions. It's, I, I haven't resolved this by asking God to give me heterosexual attractions. He's, he's really saying that... Um, that he's found a fulfilling life in the church and in Christ first, which should be true for all Christians. Yeah, I, I saw him, I've seen, heard of several of his, his lectures, his speaking engagements, and I also saw him speak in front of um, a gathering in the Anglican Church in England, and he's by far the minority viewpoint on this subject. At least there, yeah. yeah. If you go to, say, the Anglican Church in Africa or Asia yeah, right, or Latin right. America. Um, this was in England, yeah, Church in of England. England itself, yeah. Um, and I think I was just amazed by his, his graciousness mm -hmm. and his courage, you know, because he was able to say with clarity uh, what the Bible says without being needlessly offensive and, and also just with a great sense of compassion and courage. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was, I was really amazed with him and his courage to do that and so well. Yeah, he's also involved with an organization, I believe that's in England, called Living Out. Mm. And it's an organization of those who struggle with same-sex attraction um, and who really encourage each other in the church. Um, there's a Roman Catholic counterpart, I think, called, um, uh, called uh, I believe it's called Courage International. Mm. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and so, yeah. Um, so a quote he shares in one of his talks is he says this, he says, all of us are attracted to things that we shouldn't be. So none of us are really straight. Mm. We're all skewed. And I just appreciated that because it really levels the field for yeah. all of us, that all of us have unhealthy attractions, whether they be heterosexual, same sex, etc. that all of our sexuality is, is actually broken. Yeah, I, I appreciate that, too, that he just points to uh, misordered desire. Mm -hmm. You know, I think this is really congruent with what Luther says, you know, about the will. That's where the problem is. Yeah. We but shouldn't expect our desires to be flawless. No, it's a fundamental human problem. Mm -hmm. And that's why, you know, like Christians who 
have a strong heterosexual attraction and who are married cannot think this is a problem I don't have. Mm-hmm. Well, no. To have a disordered sexual desire is a problem for all human beings. And so mm-hmm. let's be humble and recognize we all have the same problem, actually. Yeah, yeah it kind of floors everybody. Yeah, it does. Yep. Do you want to read the next quote sure. from his book? So one of the things he says in his book is, Ever since I have been open about my own experiences with homosexuality, a number of Christians have said something like this, the gospel must be harder for you than it is for me, as though I have more to give up than they do. But the fact is that the gospel demands everything out of all of us. If someone thinks the gospel has somehow slotted into their life quite easily, without causing any major adjustments to their lifestyle or aspirations, it is likely they have not really started following Jesus at all. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So he just, he just points out, that, yeah, God, God requires everything from everyone. It's not a yeah. special uh, over-the-top case for people who struggle yeah. uh, with homosexuality. And I believe that if anybody is a true Christian and not deceiving themselves, that they will have lost something and of course gained everything, mm-hmm. but we all, we all let go of something. And sometimes we feel that in very costly ways. It's not just as if there's a small group of people who experience same-sex attraction who are giving up everything to follow Jesus. No, at every level of our affections, whether it be towards money or success or popularity or just a comfortable American lifestyle, I mean, all those things are things that that Jesus, you know, asks of us. Yeah. I think of a Zacchaeus. What did Zacchaeus give up? Right, his trade. As a tax collector. Yeah, that's right. And his profits, yeah. right? Yeah. Yep. And that's such a, a, a striking story, the story of Zacchaeus, because Jesus loved Zacchaeus where he was at. But the influence of Jesus upon Zacchaeus' life did not allow him to stay where he was at. There was this visible repentance and a yeah. change in lifestyle, actually. Yeah. Well, and this is what Jesus says, you know, uh, if anyone ha- wants to come after me, they have to take up their cross daily and follow me and be willing to give up every single thing. I mean, mm-hmm. it really is a wholesale exchange of life, and that includes um, our sexual desires. Yeah, and, and when we stand before Christ and when we overcome by faith and are rejoicing in the resurrection, I, I believe, this is my belief, is that we, and I think I'm theologically accurate here, is that even into eternity we will in some sense bear the scars. Jesus bears them yeah. for our sins, yeah. that we will be known as the person who overcame X, Y, Z, Mm-hmm. That we'll know. And Peter may always be known as the denier. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> but the as coward, the denier right. and the coward who is yeah. forgiven, because God is glorified eternally in yeah. that forgiveness. Um, yeah. Well, and certainly, I think in our in our era, we we are uh, over hypersexualized, maybe more than other eras. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, not only is you know the advent of pornography online and all the lowering of morals, mm-hmm. but yeah, we've kind of been thrown into this fun house of mirrors uh, through social media mm-hmm. and uh, Tinder and all these things. And yeah. I think, man, how does anybody come through this unscathed? How does anybody overcome? And 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 yet, you know. God continues to to save sinners and to work in our lives. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So another example, just briefly, would be Wesley Hill, and he is a theology professor, I believe, in the area of New Testament um, 
And so his, his primary area of writing is not this topic. He, he's an academic theologian uh, writing. But he had written a book called Washed and Waiting, Reflections on Christian Faithfulness and Homosexuality. And this is just another story of one who experiences same-sex attraction and has chosen to find community in the church and, and to not act on those desires. Um, and, you know, the truth is that these stories are more common than we might think. Um, but once again, they just need to be told. Yeah. So just going to share a quote uh, from him. And I really appreciate his honesty here, too. He says, I know that whatever the complex origins of my own homosexuality are, there have been conscious choices I've made to indulge and therefore to intensify, probably, my homoerotic inclinations. And as I look back over the course of my life, I regret the nights I have given in to temptations to lust that pushed, that pulsed rather, like hot itching sores in my mind. And so I cling to this image, washed. I am washed, sanctified, justified through the work of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. Whenever I look back on my baptism, I can remember that God has cleansed the stains of homosexual sin from the crevices of my mind, heart, and body, and included me in his family, the church, where I can find support, comfort, and provocation toward Christian maturity. Mm. Man, I, I think if you're going to read one book, I might recommend this book. Uh, he's just so articulate, um, mm-hmm. so honest, and just uh, poetic. And uh, he's quoting, of course, there, First Corinthians 6, which we'll get into <laughs> But just that, yeah, how does God deal with this? I love, how, I love how explicitly he points to the gospel. Yeah, yeah. He, he washed me. He yeah. washed me, which we all need on a daily basis, mm-hmm. yeah. The next is Rosaria Butterfield, and, and so she has a very interesting story. Uh, she had a lot to give up, not just relationally, but also academically, professionally. Mm. So she was the tenured professor of English at Syracuse University up there in New York, and uh, she lived in a lesbian partnership for long term, and, and she was very involved in the LGBTQ uh, advocacy and, and studies. I mean, that was part of her teaching was, was even um, what in literary circles is called queer theory. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, you know, eventually she, was, she, she read through the Bible multiple times uh, as an English professor, really working on, on doing a book uh, that examined, you know, the religious life of America, and and um, it ended up actually in her uh, attending a church um, just to kind of know more, and eventually it led to what she calls her train wreck conversion. Yeah, um, and it really did cost her much. Um, now she, unlike the other stories we've we've shared, uh, she is now married to a man, has a family. Um, but she wrote a few books. Uh, one of them is called The Secret Thoughts of an Unlikely Convert that tells her whole story of conversion. And then she also wrote a book called The Gospel Comes with a House Key. Mm. I have not read that one, but I've heard great things about it in that it is really a, a call for community and fellowship in the church. And, and she talks about the hospitality of the LGBTQ community yeah. and how the church can actually learn from that because that's who we are. We should be a hospitable community where, where our doors are open to each other and we our family is big right and, yeah and we're at each other's tables and we're fellowshipping yeah i think that's a really good 
point is that a lot of people, when they're struggling with these kinds of emotions, attractions, desires, that the LGBTQ community is like, we're the place for you. You know, we'll accept yeah. you no matter what and, and come on in. Yeah. And they really have this embracing kind of uh, culture. And the church really errs if it only says no and then doesn't extend a hand of community. Right. Because we in the church are often wrapped up in this individualistic life in the suburbs. I hang out with people who are like me, who make me feel comfortable, rather than the, the gospel impacting the mm -hmm. way we do life in community with people who are not like us necessarily, who may have different experiences and struggles than us, but, but hey, you're part of the family and you have a place at my table. Yeah, I think, and that's, again, hope for us, I think, here at Holy Cross would be we want to be a community that has the flexibility uh, to embrace all kinds of sinners mm -hmm. uh, and say, do you, do you want to look towards the gospel and the cross with us? Do you want to yep. walk in partnership? And that is a big commitment. Yep. That is a big lifestyle, community, yep. celebratory thing. And I think we, we need to keep pushing that. Come, come join the people who... who struggle with losing their temper and being greedy and being gossipy and, and people yeah. who are struggling with shopping addiction, alcohol addiction, you know, all these things, we're all going to struggle together and we're not going to, to say there's these categories of sins in which, well, you're a second-class citizen because you, in the community of God, because you struggle with this. No, yeah. like we're all in this struggle together. Um, that's what the church is supposed to be. Yeah. It's um, mercy together. Do so you want to her, read a quote from sure. her? Sure. I mean, I, I also, I'm just amazed at her story because um, she, it's almost like a St. Paul story. She was like yeah. preaching the opposite way mm -hmm. with, a, with a partner, a lesbian partner, lost that, had to start teaching differently, uh, and now she's married uh, mm -hmm. to, a, to a man. Children, too? Yeah, adopted children. Yeah. And, and she's experienced the, the, the real stigma yeah. of being rejected by a community that talks a lot about openness mm -hmm. and, and being one, inclusive. Yeah, once accepted yeah. her. Yeah. So th here's some of the, one of the quotes she writes. Uh, it is an act of homophobia to believe that people in the LGBT community are either too sinful to respond to God's call on their life or to believe that people in the LGBT community have a fixed nature that will never, according to the blustering, unfounded, and uncharitable, declarations of secular psychology change by the power of God's command. What does God change? Our heart. That is where all it all starts. Mm -hmm. So wonderfully said, you know, and I think uh, that's an interesting um, accusation, you know, and maybe one that we need to take to heart. It's, it's a homophobic idea to think that those people are beyond reaching, I think is what she's saying. Right. That people, they're just too far gone or that God can't change a heart. Well, but the, and the truth is this, is that when anybody becomes a Christian, when anybody is converted, the, the, the change is, is as drastic as somebody going through her change. Huh. It really is. Yeah, because Because right. like we all are curbed inward. We're all bent selfish on our own yeah. worship and desires and and so the greatest miracle of all is anybody's conversion hmm. even you know grandma who's been going to church for her whole life and has just thought i'm a good enough person and 
I deserve to go to heaven because I sing the hymns loud and I listen during the sermon. For that person to really hear the gospel and realize, chief of sinners though I be, Jesus died for me. That's as much of a amazing miracle as what happened with Rosaria Butterfield. Yeah, Augustine says this, doesn't he? St. Augustine says the greatest work of God is the conversion of sinners. Yeah. Because, and, and he trots out, you know, all of the incredible creation that God has done uh, and all these wonderful things. But he says, yeah, to change a heart, who can do that? Yeah, I can't do that. No, but God can. Yeah. Thanks, thanks be yeah. to God. All right. So who's the next one? Uh, Jackie Hill Perry. And, and she wrote a little book called uh, Gay Girl, Good God. And, you know, once again, recommend her book. And um, she was in a lesbian relationship and really was trying to make the case that God's good with this. Yeah. And she could just never get to the place where she could justify that scripturally or in her own conscience. And so it actually led to her uh, experiencing repentance. Mm. And um, But what I appreciate about her is that she's very careful to say, okay, in my case, you know, I was in... in lesbian relationship now I'm, I'm, I'm married to a man and I have children but heterosexual attraction in marriage is not the gospel yeah yeah and so she's very um, she calls this the heterosexual gospel which is not yeah, a gospel right at all. <laughs> and so she's got a great quote here I'll just let you read it and okay we can explain it a little bit she says this um, our sexuality is not our soul marriage is not heaven and singleness is not hell. So many idols just exploded right there in that single <laughs> sentence because she's saying that like typically in the 21st century modern Western hypersexualized world, and we can thank Freud for a lot of this, but uh, we, we typically think of our identities as primary sec- primarily sexual. Yeah. And as Christians, that's not our primary identity. Um, something that we desire is not our identity. Our identity is the one who desires us, and that's Jesus mm. Christ. And then, you know, marriage is not heaven. It's not like, you know, the, you know, for some people, their same-sex attraction may eventually lead to them being married to the opposite sex, but that's not heaven. That's right, not like, right. and that's an idol that we have is we think that, man, if I'm just in this relationship with this person who loves me, who's my plus one soulmate, mm-hmm. that this person is going to fulfill all my needs. No, marriage is not heaven. Marriage is a place where God makes you more like Jesus. <laughs> and that's right, right. a difficult process sometimes. It's a sanctification, yeah. uh, purging, burning process. It is, yeah. It's <laughs> to, be, to, to learn to love and be loved. It's not about you, it's person. about the other person. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and okay, so good. So these are some And some one voices. more, singleness yeah, is not hell. Sing- yeah. Because it goes back to that Sam Albury quote where people say, gosh, you, the gospel must be mm. harder for you than other people. And he's like, no, if you think that the gospel is easy for you and hard for me, then maybe you don't understand the gospel. Yeah, I, I preached a sermon a number of months ago now on singleness. Mm-hmm. And I really feel passionately that, uh, first of all, marriage seems to be an earthly, this earth, this creation blessing only. Uh, it doesn't seem to continue into the new creation and that should tip us off, that there's something greater. Mm-hmm. As great as marriage is, uh, even in the Bible, it says the signpost to the gospel. Yeah. So it cannot be ultimate. It does point to something that is ultimate, but so too does a single life mm-hmm. lived out in the glory of God. 
Yeah, and, and so marriage is a way of bearing your cross and loving the neighbor in a unique, specific way. And singleness is a way of bearing the cross and loving the neighbor in a very specific way. And, um, you know, I, that's why I tell couples at marriages, one of the things I usually preach at weddings is, uh, today isn't about you. <laughs> Wait, it's not? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Thought it was. Uh, no, today's not about you. Today's about Jesus. And, and you are marrying a sinner. Yeah. And, and, and you are called to lay down your life for that person and vice versa. And, and so I think that one of the most countercultural things that we can do as Christians these days uh, is to adopt one of two lifestyles and to do this joyfully mm. is either A, to live single and celibate for the sake of the gospel. Yeah. As a witness, as Paul did, for example, as many of the church fathers and mothers did, Protestants, we could probably get better at, get better at this. Yeah. And then second, that we would live within marriage, not for the sake of self-satisfaction only, but really for the sake of bearing witness to the gospel. Mm -hmm. That marriage isn't about me, it's about Jesus and his church. And Yeah, and, and I think a lot of work needs to be done in reclaiming the why of of Christian singleness and Christian marriage mm -hmm. uh, as anchored um, in the gospel and, and in the revelation of God, not just natural law and reason mm -hmm. or experience, but in, in the gospel. So yeah. good, our, our time is up uh, for today. Uh, what are we going to do next time, Pastor John? Yeah, so I'm just going to give a closing comment here. Um, you know, I think these stories are, are not saying that same-sex attraction, they're definitely not saying it isn't real. Like, this is the lived experience of many Christians, Christians in the church, Christians maybe in youth group, Christians in college, Christians growing up as children. And, and so uh, we can't, we're not, in these stories, we're not saying that, that same-sex attraction just goes away, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Or that it's solved by heterosexual marriage. But what they, these stories are saying is that for both same-sex attracted people and opposite-sex attracted people, Jesus Christ is our main identity and our greatest joy. And the fellowship of the church is really where we're called to be together. Yeah. Um, and so in the next episode, we're going to dig deeper into the text of Scripture. We're going to really talk about, uh, we're going to start with Jesus. We're going to go back to Genesis. We're going to look at Scriptures in between um, and really come to a good, healthy, biblical understanding of, of this topic. But also, we're going to look at some of the objections that where people may try to to reinterpret those verses and just why we don't believe th this is faithful yeah okay so we're going to dig into the text and uh, next time my prayer just continues to be and and frequently I, I just pray this for those listening um, that God would keep hearts and conversations open yeah amen amen 